And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. What's up? Hello and welcome back to Spin Rate. This is a new thing we're trying here. Working title, side session. I don't know. But opening day has gone come and gone it is the opening series is out of the way for your toronto blue jays and i think that now is as good a time as any for me to me my name of course is drew fair service and this is spin right the athletic blue jays podcast and i'm excited to bring in uh the co-host of spin right caitlin mcgrath caitlin how are you i am great got you, through got through opening weekend series successfully filed three different stories although one will go up tomorrow morning but um, three different stories. So that's a success for me. I went that, three for three. The Blue Jays went two for three. I went three for three. The Blue Jays went two for three. Uh, the opening se- weekend series against the Yankees in the Bronx. A nice sunny days and and some a relatively close game. Saturday's game was 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 close, but also awful. Like it was really not a fun game to watch. I would say. I think we all lost in the Saturday game. We being like the people who had to sit through it. Um, the Blue Jays lost as well, but I think there's already a lot of stuff to talk about. It was a really exciting start. If you're the, if you are the Toronto Blue Jays, you could not be happier to start off going two and one in the Bronx um, with a with a very makeshift version of your starting rotation. So why don't we let's let's do with some do the the pleasantries, do the sort of housekeeping off the top, which is of course. This is Spin Right, the Athletics Blue Jays podcast. We're so excited to have you. We're so excited to go to now. Looks like. Twice a week. We're going to try to do this every Sunday night when we're recording. Hopefully you can hear it on Monday. If you're uh, listening as soon as it drops, if you're listening to this three weeks from now, bless you. Bless you for being a completist. But if you want to make sure you get every episode of Spin Rate when it comes out, you need to subscribe to the show. You can do it on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Overcast, Stitcher, wherever, wherever it is you get your podcast. Search Spin Rate. It'll be there. Smash the subscribe button. Give it a like, give it a comment, give it five stars if you want to do that, or give it give it an honest rating, but make sure it's good. And we thank you for listening. We thank you for the support here in the early going of the season. We started just a couple months ago, and now we're ready to talk about games, games that are happening, games that are being played by Blue Jays, by new Blue Jays and old. It's very exciting. If you want to read, Caitlin mentioned she's written three stories. She filed twice on the weekend and one that hasn't even hit the, hit the site yet. You should subscribe to The Athletic, which I cannot recommend highly enough. You can because they charge me for it uh, automatically. Get the old auto re- <laughs> auto refresh, which you know what can you do? The kids got to eat. If you want to become like me, getting bang with the automatic refresh every year, you should go to theathletic.com/spinrate. Subscribe there. There's a hot deal going on. I'm sure. Even if there's not a hot deal, subscribe. Let them know that that we sent you, and uh, then we can maybe start doing two, three. We'll do one every day. <laughs> if enough people sign up, I, I don't mean to overpromise Caitlin's time or, or Cam, producer Cam's time or my own time. I got a full time job. I got a hundred kids and they're all, I don't know. But 
If you if every if everybody listens to this, subscribes <laughs> to the athletic today at the spin at, at theathletic.com slash spin rate, we'll make it happen. And thank you to everyone who again has listened to us, shared it. If you've told a friend, like, hey, this is a good Blue Jays podcast, or this is a Blue Jays podcast, whatever it is you told them and you got them to listen, thank you so much. The Blue Jays themselves got off to a hot start. I'm sure they're very appreciative for the support that they got. There were 10,000 fans in the stands, and they saw a whole bunch of really interesting things happen. Uh, they booed John Carlos Stanton, the Yankees fans. They were already mad at everything. But let's start, Caitlin, with, I, I don't know, what do you think was the biggest story from this from the weekend series? I, I know what I think mm-hmm. the biggest story is, the biggest storyline, or the biggest sort of thing that, that I feel like most folks are talking about. But I'd love to hear what you think first. Um, oh, good question. Um, I would say my sense is the biggest storyline might be Vlad Guerrero Jr.'s good start, um, both in the field and at the plate. Um, I would say another storyline that is getting a lot of attention is Julian Merriweather and, um, what he has been able to do over his first two outings, but just given the impact of those two players and how the year will play out, my feeling is that Vlad is the bigger storyline, but what, what is your sense? Cause maybe I'm off base here. I think it's Julian Merriweather. I think that, that Julian Merriweather is, is the biggest story of the weekend because I, I made a joke about it the other day that, you know, Ross Atkins may have been kind of slow pay, slow playing Julian Merriweather because they've always had a lot of positive things to say about him. But most of the stuff that we've heard or that's come through has been related to his velocity. Like, oh, Julia, even last year, they were like, Julian Merriweather is throwing 97 now. And everyone sort of rolled their eyes because, again, this was a player who was acquired when? In 2017? 2018, right? 2018. 2018. Yeah, who was, of course, hurt, who... Who, uh, who was at that time recovering from Tommy John. There was a whole bunch of whatever controversy and he pitched, I think, eight times last year. So kind of a mystery man. But at the same time, this was Julian Merriweather was a player that was mentioned in almost like hushed terms by the front office. They were like, yeah, yeah, the velocity's great, but he, he wasn't even like, was he a shoe in to make the, to be on the roster for opening day? I, I don't, I know. I mean, I think at the end, I know that you sort of, you had him there, but mm-hmm. it, there was a little bit of uncertainty about his role. And the next thing you know, there he is on opening day, come wandering out to, to get pick up the save in the Bronx in the bottom of the tenth inning. Starts the inning with a with a with a runner behind him, and then he's unbelievable, like so insanely untouchably good. And he pitched as well as any human being could hope to pitch on Thursday night, Thursday afternoon. And then he comes back on Sunday and does it again. It's crazy. It's crazy how well he pitched. And how, like, unhittable he looks. You know what's funny? Hmm. So, today, I was, after the game, right? Someone tweeted at me. I looked up his name. Corey Haslam. Mm Mm-hmm. And he tweeted at me, and he just said, Not sure why everyone is surprised. Caitlin McGrath predicted Julian Mother would Julian Merriweather would be the closer in an article about the future Jays. And I'm like, what? What did I do? When did I predict Julian Merriweather would be the closer? Because I'm thinking like, the, you know, the predictions I did a couple mm-hmm. um, days ago, like I didn't say anything about Julian Weather. Well, turns out last year during the shutdown immediately, one of my colleagues here did a really fun story idea um, where he looked ahead at the um, 
Detroit Tigers. And he wrote a letter from 2025, like what the Tigers will be then. So I did the same thing for the Blue Jays. I guess in this article, which I completely forgot that I wrote this, that I wrote in 2023 that Julian Mother- Julian Merriweather would be um, would be the Blue Jays' closer. So I predicted it. You I don't know knew. If you'll, I, I don't. I don't know how I knew. Uh, I don't know why I wrote that, but I knew. You should spike that football because not only did you you heard Ross Atkins say he's throwing ninety seven, and you were like, you know what? I think that really means he can actually throw one hundred fucking miles an hour because that's exactly what he did. Um, baseball is so crazy now. I watched Julian Merriweather pitch against the Yankees on Thursday afternoon, and he mowed through three very good hitters like they weren't even there. Like they had no hope. He threw a changeup to Aaron Hicks that was 80 miles an hour, maybe, or 81 miles an hour. That was at the absolute bottom corner of the strike zone. It was a strike, 100% a strike. But even if you told him that was coming, if you said, hey, Aaron Hicks, I'm going to throw this pitch right there, he could not do a single thing with that. And that's even if you if you pretend that he did, wasn't throwing 97 to 99 on Thursday. Throwing so hard. But again, to the corners of the strike zone. to uh, From a guy that none of the hitters have ever seen before. Like the, the those, you know, John Carlos Stanton, who you know, sure strikes out a lot. And Aaron Hicks is, is, is a good hitter, uh, you know, who makes lots of money and all, you know, earned a huge contract. They had no hope. No hope because he was throwing so well. And then he came back out again on Sunday and he did it again. And, and it makes you, you know, at some point, somebody in, in the Blue Jays organization was watching him and being, are you, are you healthy? And he says, yes. And then he starts doing these things. And they were like, oh, surprise, you're the closer now. You know, we, you and I, uh, Caitlin, when last we spoke, we were talking about Jordan Romano and there was some talk about Rafael Dolis and whatever else. But now it's a no brainer. If you're going to have a ninth inning guy, maybe it's this guy that throws a hundred miles an hour. And is just untouchable. I mean, he's not going to be like that forever. He's not going to be able to throw his changeup for strikes all the time. He's not going to be able to locate his fastball as well as he has these weekends. He's, he's a human. But this is an awfully strong place to start when it comes to building a very strong bullpen or having someone who can be at the back of your bullpen, which is, isn't to say that he may not even start again. But it's going to be hard to get him out of this role if he, if he likes it and the team likes him back there. Yeah, well, I guess the thing that it comes down to with Julian Merriweather and, like, I guess one thing why we were uncertain whether he would be on the roster or not was not necessarily because of what his skills were, was just because of his health, right? Like, through the first half of spring training, he was dealing with some back tightness or whatever it was, and obviously his history of injury problems, they were probably even more cautious with him um, as maybe they would be otherwise with another guy. Um, So... Really, he only got into spring training games right at the end there. He made two out, two um, outings, two innings pitched. Um, and they were sort of like waiting and seeing how he bounced back from that last one before, you know, officially putting him on the team, which hmm. at that point he was like somewhat of a shoe in and as long as he felt good about it. Um, and so that, but that's still like a talking point going forward with him. Like even as we talked to Charlie Montoyo after Sunday's game, um, sort of the question around him was like, well, are you guys going to be tempted to use Julian Merriweather back to back at this point? And, you know, Montoyo just said like, 
they they got to be careful with him. They want him to stay healthy all season long, so they have to manage his workload, manage him very early on. He's really not built up enough. And like one one thing, like I wonder is like, yes, he's looked incredible in save situations so far, but he could also be a, a really um, important piece even earlier in games if he's like can come into games earlier and be that kind of like super reliever where you can even get four or five outs out of him once he is stretched out enough because we saw him last year he could go multiple innings right and and he's so versatile that he could be like a, a lethal opener too if you wanted to go that strategy I think they did that last year as well so he is really interesting how they're going to use him like I still am sort of like thinking that um, Jordan Romano is going to get his fair share of of save opportunities as well. And the Blue Jays could sort of opt to use him in the ninth on some days and and Julian Merriweather on some, like it it could be fluid, like we've been saying all along. But I also think there's like an X factor with Julian Merriweather where he could potentially do more and is a little bit more versatile than, than Jordan Romano, whereas Jordan Romano seems to me to be a closer in the making. Whereas like you said, like there's still – Maybe a small, like uh, a small chance that Julian Merriweather could be a starter. Although at that point, at this point, like he's getting kind of old, like he's already twenty nine years old. So um, I don't know how much time he has. Um, but but that's what I wonder with Julian Merriweather. Like he he's he's interesting because he could be used a, a, a number of different ways, especially if he can get built up to being able to go two innings or, or five outs or whatever it may be. I think we're getting a little greedy. <laughs> to come to that, but I think your you, your your point is is, is well made. Uh, Jordan Romano, who did pitch the eighth inning, was tasked with facing DJ LeMahieu, Aaron mm-hmm. Judge, and then the aforementioned Aaron Hicks, which is a tougher road to hoe than you know Glaber Torres, who's very good, and then uh, Jay Bruce, who's like one hundred percent cooked, and then uh, whoever was left at the end, I don't even remember who. Oh, Gary Sanchez, who's uh, swung a, swung a hot bat. So I mean, it's the Yankees, so, you, so you're you're kind of picking your poison a little bit, but. But uh, it will be interesting to see how that goes and how he how he's able to bounce back. We got more on the Blue Jays on spin rate right after this note from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We could talk really quickly about the bigger picture with the bullpen, which is that uh, they were really good uh, this weekend. They were. They were. They, they, were, they, were, they, were they weren't good. without their hiccups, I guess. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they were excellent escape artists, I would say. Um, they got themselves into some jams, uh, especially on um, – Thursday and Friday, or Thursday and um, Saturday. Sorry, the, the weird off days throwing me off. Um, mm-hmm. 
I, I, I think I, I think it was 10 walks for them over the three games. Um, and considering like it was a huge point of emphasis for the Blue Jays all spring training long was to cut down on walks. Um, mm-hmm. that's not the stat they wanted to put up this, this, uh, opening series, but I will say Sunday, it sort of corrected itself. Like the, the, the bullpen was at its sharpest on Sunday. Um, I sort of thought that some of them looked a little nervous on opening day. Like I thought Jordan Romano looked uncharacteristically wild um, and that first uh, outing he had, but he ended up getting out of it. Like he walked too, but then he ended up striking out guys when he needed to. So it, it all ended up fine. It's just like walking that fine line and, and the relievers, especially this season, they're not going to want to be issuing free passes. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm being the negative one here. <laughs> it's funny. Cause I asked after opening day, I asked Charlie Montoyo about the walks and he's like, well, if you want to point out something negative, I guess you can point out that. And I was like, well, that's my job. <laughs> Usually, well, but, but that, yeah, like otherwise you're right. It was a pretty good performance over three games for the bullpen. Mm-hmm. Not, not that much to nitpick other than the walks. Well, I think that they, things didn't go exactly to plan. Um, I think they were really hoping to maybe get more out of Trent Thornton than they did um, today. Uh, you're at the the walks were were a real uh, killer. Um, Raphael Delis, of course, did not pitch well, and it's not fun to watch him pitch when he does. It's, it sucks. It's agony. Like my God, he just works so slow, and he's you know we're so spoiled right now um, with with pitching in major leagues. Where I got, I was sort of started to mention I was watching that Twins Brewers game on uh, Saturday night, which was just. They two pitchers that had no hitters into the sixth or seventh inning. Both of them were like completely untouchable. Corbin Burns is throwing like 97, 98, 99. Uh, Jose Barrios is doing almost the same thing, like swinging strikes. Just every pitcher now is like Pedro Martinez. Like every single guy, there's every team has a guy who's as good as Pedro was in 1999. But now it's, he's just some random dude that pitches for, that's a starter for one team. And then they got three guys just like him in the bullpen. So then when Rafael Dolis is like only 93 or whatever and own and you know works super slow and isn't blowing people away, it's like, come on, get out of my face. You know, and the and the Blue Jays have done a good job of kind of building up guys with good stuff. Cause you know, even a few years ago, um, they that that wasn't their modus operandi. I mean, they had when they were they were a bad team with a decent bullpen with the John Axfords and Tyler Clippers and guys like that, and they were getting people out and and uh, and um and uh Oh, uh, the I can't remember his, his pro- proper name now. The Korean guy, anyway. But like Sung they did, Sung Wano. Uh, they 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 none of those guys like were like throwing ninety nine. They weren't blowing everybody away. Um, it was just a different. It was a, d- a different kind of team at that time. But uh, now they have guys that are just nuts. And so when they when when somebody you know Baraki throws so hard and and it looked so good. Uh, and, and Romano, again, the closer stuff is all right there. Uh, one, one note, sorry, I'm kind of veering left and right here. Two things I wanted to say. One was about your comment about Julian, or, uh, Jordan Romano looking a little bit nervous, a couple of guys looking a little bit nervous. Tim Mazza looked good when he came back and made his performance. Julian Merriweather looked at the opposite of nervous. Mm-hmm. He looked like, I'm doing that millennial thing now where like with a Gen Z thing where you like point with your arm, you point to your elbow because that's that's uh, Merriweather, like pure ice in his veins, like cold as ice. They like not, and he had a, even had a good little stare down after he struck out. Um, uh, who was it, Stanton? I guess to end the game, who, uh, or, or Torres in, in, on Thursday. Just like he's, it's gonna be hard to get him out of that closer role because it fits him like a glove from where I sit. Even though he's little, he's not some big monster who comes out there. But man, he's pretty big. He's pretty tall. 
Well, he's I guess he's normal person tall. He's taller than me, but he's not, you know, or all the Chapman who's six right. foot six and everybody else who's just so big and tall. Um, the other thing I want to say as, as a bit of a – Josh Donaldson's name was trending um, on Twitter and people are running around be like, hey, what's up with Josh Donaldson? Which is such a stupid thing to say, if I may. Like – yeah, the Blue Jays got him for Josh Donaldson, and Josh Donaldson got hurt and went on the disabled list or the injured list, I should say. Uh, Josh Donaldson had a five-win year in 2019. He's was he was putting together like as good a 30 and up stretch as any third baseman, you know, this side of Mike Schmidt. Like, I don't know why the the need to kind of try to spike the football and be like, what a great deal, like. They, yeah, they, they made a good deal. They took a huge risk. The guy barely pitched for two years in the time that they acquired him. Like, it's not a slam dunk. He looks amazing now. I'm just more like, as a Blue Jays fan, thankful that they stuck with him and that he's he's been able to get himself to this place where now we can appreciate him. To to bring Josh Donaldson's name up seems really odd. Like, what's the value of that? Like, again, one of the best players to ever wear the Blue Jays uniform, an instant fan favorite who left in really shitty circumstances. But, like, why? What? Who gets anything out of that? That's the question that I have for the straw man that I've just right. invented. But And also just, like, let Julian Merriweather be his own player. Like, for the first couple years that he was in Toronto, I mean, granted, it was because we hadn't seen him pitch. So it was like, what else do you ask him about? But he's answered so many different questions about the trade. And now to just – just let him be the guy that's pitching. Like, just be happy that he's pitching and he's healthy and he looks good. Like, doesn't just the trade happened a long time ago? Let Julian Mary let Julian Merriweather just have his career. I'm really slipping up on his name today. I don't know why. My autocorrect hates it. Autocorrect has a hard time with the with the why. I feel like the why in Merriweather mm-hmm. is a little bit of a of a, of a throwing uh, throwing me off a little bit. But anyway, the bullpen I think look really good. Of course, Julian Merriweather leading the way. Something that is going to be interesting. Um, I think it's important to remember, though, this is this is how this team has been built, right? This is what it's going to look like all season long. And, you know, um, your friend and mine, Jonah Bierenbaum, he and I were messaging and he was saying, and he tweeted it eventually, so I can say it, and that's not one of our private Kevin Biggio tweets that are, that are messages that won't come out. Uh, it, he was like, he's worried that the Blue Jays' bullpen is going to be dust by June because mm-hmm. they're going to run through these guys. But this is the way this team has been built. It's been built with depth, and they're going to end up running like a 20-man uh, staff at, at times where there's going to be the on and the off and the Joel Piamps. Is that, did, I, did I pronounce his name correctly? I think that's correct, yeah. He, so he pitched, and he was, he was okay. Again, not great, but fine. And then he went to the alternate site, and then, and then Tommy Malone came, came back to, the, to join the big club on Sunday. But uh, this is what it's going to be. They're not going to get, you know, what we saw from Hyunjin Ryu on, on Thursday. You know, it's, it's not unlike what he's going to be. He's going to pitch very effectively, but he's not going to go deep into games. He's not going to pitch into the eighth inning more than, you know, a couple times. It's not, not for any lack of trying, but it means it's just the name of the game now and what the Blue Jays have um, around them. Robbie Ray, they're going to be really careful with Robbie Ray. They're going to be really careful with, with Nate Pearson, obviously, uh, you know, when that day comes. So these, the, the bullpen and the, and the, and the depth of the bullpen and seeing the variety of arms and the, and the ability for all these different guys to come up and, and step up and, and take these opportunities. And maybe if it's Dolise who struggled this weekend, again, Mayerwell's going to have his, going to have his days where he's not going to be able to throw strikes. Jordan Romano, who you said, you know, unlike himself last year, but definitely a guy who, who is not afraid to walk people. Um, but this is what it's going to be like. This is the way that they built this staff. And, and we might even see them get a little bit more creative, um, as they go through. Speaking of creative, one thing before we move on, I want to say that was, that was pretty cool that 
Actually, you know what? I'll save that. I'll save it. We're going to okay. talk about Vlad because you brought Vlad up. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Vlad. I, I thought I had another point on the pitching, but I can't remember what it was. Oh, I think I was just going to say like um, what the um, Yankees had today with, was it Michael King? Michael King, Which, yeah. Like, <laughs> like that's what the Blue Jays need. They need like a reliever to throw what was it? Five innings, six innings? I think he went five. He was, five he looked innings. good. And, and, and even though he wasn't, I mean, he, he had a maybe old school, um, day is, is how, might, how I might describe it in that he, um, he only struck out like one or two, you know, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't blowing everybody away like we might see in the modern times, but, uh, effective and, and just soaking up innings yeah. and, and saving the Chad greens and the, um, whoever else they've got, you know, without Zach Britton and then this series without or all this Chapman. So, uh, yeah, hats off to him, to Michael King, uh, who pitched yeah, well. The Jays and, are going to need that at some point. And like, that's when like the Trent Thornton's and the Ross Striplings are going to become big factors in the bullpen. And that's why like, yes, there's a little bit of talk of them, like making spot starts and stuff, but their value that they're going to bring to this team is going to be that versatility and going to mm-hmm. be that ability to do both and going to be that, guy who can soak up the innings when mm-hmm. so-and-so can't go long you know and it's going to almost be like the the here's the here's the group for when we're losing and here's the group for when we're winning like that's mm-hmm. kind of how the blue jays are going to have to look at it because it's you know that michael king he soaked up those innings and he kept them he kept him in the game and he saved all those all those bullets for for later on which is just going to continue to be a big question and we'll have to see how 2021 un, un, unfolds for so many teams that are really going to struggle to to get all these outs Speaking of outs, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. made almost none. Um, he went only, only only went one for four here on um, on Sunday. Although he did reach on an error on a ball that was not not particularly well played by Gleyber Torres, but um, you know could have could have gone for a hit potentially. But he did hit a rocket home run to right field. And then on Thursday opening day, he hit an absolute screamer up the middle. That in a lot of ways, you know. A, a ball that wasn't hit as hard as that ball would have been caught. I I, I, fir- I firmly believe in that uh, in that early rally against uh, Garrett Cole. He had two amazing at bats against Garrett Cole, drawing walks. He got hit on uh, by Corey Kluber. Uh, Corey Kluber hit him with a pitch, and uh, and he had another hard line drive up the middle. He just looked he looked just like he looked in spring, which is to say, he looked like an incredible a guy who's ready to be an incredible big league hitter. Yeah, I mean, it was about as good a start as you could ask for for him. I think the plate um, approach and the plate appearances kind of spoke for themselves. I mean, um, like you said, the the home run today was, you know, he hit it to right field. And obviously, we know Yankee Stadium right field, you can get some cheap shots there. But it was not a cheap shot out there. Like, it was well hit, well hit ball. Um, the stat cast said it was a home run in 29 of 30 parks right. um, as it was struck. So not a cheapie. Um, for me, like, I think I was paying a lot of attention to his play at first base just cause like that was what was, um, that's what I was, I don't know, paying attention to. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, he looked really good. Like he looked really good kind of bailing out his teammates a few times with some weak throws. Um, he looked really, um, sharp there, some, some pretty good scoops. Um, he just looked more comfortable there i think like that's the most simplest um way to put it obviously a little bit of um trouble with keeping his foot on the bag which is probably something that comes with time i mean on on the one hand he looked amazingly flexible i didn't even know that (laughs) who knew who has that in them really (laughs) i didn't know that vlad could 
uh, do the full on splits. Um, but you know, that was something I think Marcus Semyon said something about that play on Saturday, I believe when it was the Kevin Biggio throw and they, he, he stretched, he made the splits and he didn't quite keep his foot on the bag. And, you know, Semyon made the point of like, you know, it was a gr- an aggressive mistake. And when you're, you're playing like that, you don't get mad at an aggressive mistake like that. But that being said, I know there was some talk or uh, around, you know, the Twitterverse and that, and that you know, he didn't need to stretch that far. And so he's going to have to try to like sort of strike a balance there, knowing what the, knowing how far he needs to stretch to still make the play. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't need to go all out every time, but I mean, it's the first three games. I think as a whole, you have to be happy with his performance there. I mean, I don't think anyone could say that he looked uncomfortable there. Like, I think he really starts, he's, he's looking like he's owning the position a little bit. I wonder if Mm -hmm. some of the talking to that the coaching staff in the front office have 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 had with him, um, just to, like we said early on in the season was like, you know, be a great first baseman, just totally embrace that position. And he just looks like he's more confident there. Like it looks like he's always a team first guy. And I'm not saying he didn't want to be there, but he just, he really looks like he wants to be a first baseman now. Like he's, he's a, he's accepted it. He's embracing it. And that's what you want there. And, and I will say he's also got a great attitude about it there. Like he said something like I told my teammates, throw me anything. I'm not afraid of the ball. Like I will bail you guys out essentially. Like mm-hmm. um, I'm going to do everything I can to make the play. Um, you just get me the ball. So that's also a really good attitude to have. So he all around, he looked really confident, comfortable, a good first series for him. Even running the bases well, went first to third, you know, looks looks pretty fleet on his feet. I mean, relatively speaking. I think that there is something to be to be said for the um eagerness he 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 displayed to kind of get out there and really stretch for it and and really get dirty and, and really trying to pick up his his teammates. Um I think that that I am maybe more willing to forgive his um how do I say this lack of confidence in the throws that were coming his way in particular on Thursday and then Saturday in the first two games of the season where um, the throws were not good. There was was a lot for him to dig out and he did dig out a few uh, quite nicely. Uh, Again, the, 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 the splits, he was maybe a little bit over eager and then kind of losing contact with the bag, which, um, you know, that's a pretty significant athletic maneuver to be heaving your body into at the, at the last moment. Uh, so, so, uh, again, I'm not so worried about that. It was really interesting. I was watching the Angels, uh, game on, well, all of them realistically, but, uh, there was some, I was watching the, the White Sox feed and they had, they were talking about Tony LaRusso is, of course, the manager of the White Sox now who, who came up with Albert Pujols. So there was a lot of talk about Pujols, Albert Pujols' defense where Pujols now is very old. Well, he's 41. So he's a thousand and he does not move very well. His feet have been a real problem for him for the last, I don't know, four or five years, but he's still a pretty good first baseman over there. And there was a lot of talk about, in a similar situation where Pujols, when he came up, he was the youngest player in the league, and the Cardinals at that time moved him around quite a bit. But there was all, according to Tony Larusa, was was the goal was for him to become a Gold Glove first baseman, which he absolutely did. And Albert Pujols was a terrific first baseman. Uh, Pujols played a lot of third. They even had him left, if you remember. You know, most people listening to this are probably too young to remember when Albert Pujols would run around in left field a little bit. But but it was the parallels to me were uncanny where that was sort of the end goal and they sort of figured out within without a lot of uh, a time that that was kind of where he was going to be. And and Pujols, uh, again, has put together a very dec- – well, 
decorated career. Jesus Christ, he's Albert Pujols, but also a very good defensive first baseman for a very long time. Now a guy who's limited by his own mobility, got a little bit of the fall down range, but still got he's still got great hands uh, over at first base. So hopefully that's a if 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 Al, hey I'll say it I'm just going to say it if Vladimir Guerrero Jr. can mimic Albert Pujols' career a career Blue Jays will be in pretty good shape. I'm just I'm just saying. Uh, but but it was an interesting conversation and and uh, and yeah and he looked so good at the plate again he looked so comfortable uh, I think he was talking about he felt like his timing was perfect was a quote that he may have um, that I may have seen bubbling up on on Twitter from a from a call with with the, the assorted or the assembled media horde but uh, yeah you could not ask for much more if you're a Blue Jays fan we'll be coming back with more spin rate in just a second but first check this out. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash. Or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant. Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. One thing you could ask for, maybe something something worth talking to, worth monitoring, which was some of the infield defense on Saturday in particular, the game that the Blue Jays did lose to the Yankees. Uh, defense was not great. A lot of work for Vlad to do, trying to dig out some some throws that that from both uh, from Kevin Biggio and from Bo Bichette in particular. Um, a couple that felt a little rushed and a couple that felt, again, it's easy when you're trying to be right and you want it so you, and you're me and you're looking for for mistakes or flaws or things that Kevin Biggio does that suggest maybe he's not up to the task which I'm not necessarily proud of but I have to acknowledge this was happening I believe our friend the Zoobs refers to it as being Biggio pilled I Biggio pilled him over the offseason but uh, there was a couple different times that Kevin Biggio in my, from where I was sitting didn't look like he had the arm to be playing third base in the big leagues uh, a couple plays he had to make, you know, charging him slow rollers and and just um, not not making a strong throw. He made a nice play. I, I don't remember what day it was, but there was a ball that was hit to him, and they they he opted to go home, and they got. A, I think there was a force at the plate. Um, you know, he made a good decision, which I don't think anyone would ever accused Kevin Biggio of not doing. He has a very high baseball IQ and seems to make a lot of the good choices often. But there were some times watching him that maybe. Um, his lack of um, the lack of his throwing arm, or maybe having that that plus arm, was sort of exposed. Again, that's me looking for those sorts of things. Bo Bichette, uh, who there's been some talk about, maybe he isn't suited to being a shortstop long term, especially when you got Mark Simeon playing on the other side of the diamond. 
Um, a little bit like, oh, a little, a little iffy. But then I will say, again, it's, we're talking about small samples. We're talking about two and three games. Uh, Bichette threw the ball well on, on Sunday in the, in the finale. But uh, definitely something to monitor, I think, because the Blue Jays have talked so much about improving the defense, wanting the defense to be such a strength for the team, especially when they've got TJ Zoic on the mound and, and, and Ross Stripling and guys who don't rack up the strikeouts and guys who get the, keep the ball on the ground. So um, something to keep your eye on if you're a Blue Jays fan or if you're you or I, which is to what is the, what is the defense really looking like? Are, the, are these are these guys, uh, are they adding are they adding value at those positions, or is it um, maybe something that the Blue Jays might want to shake up over time? I don't know. What do you think? Are, am I am I overreacting? Am I BGO pilled too much? <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, you have your your stance on it. Um, with Bo in particular, you know, something Montoyo said today that struck with me. Not that it was, you know, it was. He just said with, um, you know, with Bo and with a long season with young players, like you're going to have ups and downs. And we've already seen Bo have ups and downs, obviously, while he's playing the field. And I think what it's ultimately going to come down to with him, and it's going to sound like simple, but it's just having more ups than downs. Like, you know, if he can play above average to average um, defense at shortstop more often than he's playing below average defense, then... That's a good thing. And does it mean that he's going to be a shortstop for his entire career? I don't know. I don't know what the Blue Jays plan for him. I don't know if they have a plan um, or if they're leaving it open-ended and, and really letting Bo have the runway there or if there's someone coming up behind him that's ultimately going to take that job from him. Um, you know, the, the nice thing about having a guy like Semyon on the roster and playing second is that you have a, an above average shortstop playing second base. And like we saw, I think it was opening day, uh, Thursday when he made a fantastic play. Um, I think it was a DJ LeMahieu ball t- as well. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and you know, it looked like a guaranteed hit and he just, um, you know, going towards the right field line. Is that, was that the one? Yeah. 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 It was just like shallow and, mm-hmm. uh, he made the throw from his his knees, and it was it was a really good play. And like I think having him in the middle, um, it's going to make that infield defense just so much better. Just having mm-hmm. him there, um, yeah. With Bo, I mean, like I've said this before, and um, I, I really think he's going to get the full runway for this season to see what he can do. And and right. then I think we talked about this. It's just like mm-hmm. if it comes down to it in September, and they've got to win one game, and and they, he has been struggling a little bit, maybe you do move Semi in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it would have to be like a fairly um, he'd have to have fairly significant problems um, at mm-hmm. shortstop for them to sort of um, pull the plug on him there, so to speak, for the season. Um, and I think ultimately there could be some shifting or defensive swaps or whatever if the game is really tight. Um, but mm. I I expect to see him playing shortstop almost every day this year. I think I think that you're right. I think for for that switch to happen, for the Blue Jays to decide in the middle of the season that they're going to move Bichette to second and then have Simeon resume his resume duties at shortstop, things will have to go really quite badly for it to get to that point. And as I said, and I, and I know that Buck Martinez was making observations about it. Um, was it was it Buck or was it might have been Joe Siddle? I'm not. I don't remember who who made the observation, but that Bichette looked a lot more comfortable, in particular on uh, in during Sunday's game. Um, really, just letting it go, not talking himself into making a good throw, not going through that kind of mental checklist, which you may have seen 
uh, on on the play of Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s second at bat on Sunday, where where Gleyber Torres made a like a pretty rough throw, and then Jay Bruce, another guy learning first base, wasn't able to to dig it out. It didn't cost him an extra base or anything, but uh, but uh, you know, Simeon made a couple of nice plays. It was interesting that one, the DJ LeMahieu play that you're mentioning, seemed a little odd. I think he was a little a little taken aback by the making that really short throw from from short right field to first base, that kind of short, tight throw on that really really weird little angle. But uh, it will be interesting to see. Uh, one thing I was going to say um, was interesting, again, something to, to monitor, was that in the ninth inning on Sunday with a two-run game and Julian Merriwell on the, on the mound, two very interesting defensive things happened. Number one was they subbed Lourdes Gurriel out. They moved Teoscar Hernandez, who has a very has a good strong throwing arm, so does Guriel, from right to left. They put Guriel on the bench, and they brought in Jonathan Davis to play center, moving Randall Gritchick over to third. So they're not afraid to hurt someone's feelings. I'm using like air quotes here in terms of if, if Guriel, who again this was a guy who I believe was a Gold Glove finalist, but yep. um, uh, I, if you've listened to this show or its previous iterations, uh, you know that I am not a great fan of Lourdes Guriel's. Um, adventurous defense, but that said, for him to have been the one to have got the take, got the cut, and and or face the cut, and not Teoscar Hernandez, that says to me a lot. <laughs> yeah. uh, but then on top of that, so again, you get Jonathan Davis. Good to see him out there. Uh, you know his ability to step in and and run run some stuff down in a very you know quite a vast outfield with the big left field power alley at, at Yankee Stadium. But then of course the Blue Jays with Jay Bruce at the plate opted for four outfielders. Some real wild raise shit out there, uh, where they moved Kevin Biggio to the outfield. They had only the three infielders of, uh, of Simeon, Bichette, and Guerrero. And then they had Bichette, or Biggio down the line and Teoscar Hernandez in left center. And lo and behold, Jay Bruce hit the ball directly at him, which if you're the Yankees, probably make you insane. If you're Jay Bruce, you're going, you want to say like, Oh, tip your cat to the scouting report, but also that would drive you crazy. But uh, I, I, I'm sure the Blue Jays have done that a few times recently, but I can't remember that, you know, offhand to see them, A, do that, and B, have it work out like that. So pretty cool. Pretty cool to see them willing to, to not, I don't know, ruffle some feathers, but then ruffle some feathers, but also make a move like that in, a, in an attempt to, uh, to, to grab a little bit of an advantage and get that W. And it's only the third, year, third game of the year, but um, not afraid to pull out some of those stops to, uh, to do what it needs to be done. Yeah, Charlie's flashing his Rays roots. Which don't get it. Don't try to keep it to a minimum, please, Charlie. Which again, we uh, we we haven't talked about, and I don't, I don't, I hadn't penciled it in. But there was some talk about the bunt that happened. Was that in, was that on Thursday's game? That was opening day when when um, it was Jansen, Danny, right? Danny yeah, Jansen I think it was the bunted. extra innings, right? Yeah, and he had the, had the bunt sign on. He bunted with two strikes. Uh, I did the bunt sign. Caitlin and I are on Zoom on camera, so she can see me. Like miming a bunt, but if you're listening to this, you can't see that I'm miming a bunt. But uh, that's no way to win friends in 2021 on Twitter.com. Let me tell you, people do not like to see the bunts, do they? No, no, no one. Even no way to win when you just write an article and people want to comment about bunts, even though your article's not about bunts. <laughs> the bunt, the bunt brigade came out, did they? <laughs> yeah, but it happens. And it happens. That's what comment sections are for. A lot of times they're just for people to air their thoughts and their frustrations and their hopes and dreams and whatever it may be. So if you have any of those, jump in the comment section. It helps me. People like to see engagement on my articles. So if you have a thought about bunts or four outfielders or Julia Merriweather, 
Get in the comment section. And you but can make nice. sure you got to subscribe to do that though. So you need to go to theathletic.com slash spin rate, subscribe to the athletic, and then you can content, you can comment to your heart's desire. Mm-hmm. You can talk about, you can talk to Caitlin about what's in her articles or what's going on with you. If you have smoking neighbors or anything else like that, God only knows. Yeah. Now, let's, we should get to wrap it up. We can take a quick look ahead to the week to come. Blue Jays have left New York, presumably, and are en route to Texas at whatever they call that new barbecue-looking stadium in, in uh, Arlington to face the Rangers, who are very bad. Stephen Matz. It's going to take the take the mound. Some exciting stuff. Uh, uh, is George, what do you think? Uh, do you have a uh, do? Is there a date that Blue Jays fans can expect to see George Springer? Maybe is George Springer expected to? He can't join the team yet, can he? It won't be ten days. He can join the team in ten days from the date that he was put on the IL, which was retroactive to the 29th, March 29th. Mm. So he'll be able to make his debut as early as um, Thursday, which would be the April 8th, which mm. is also the home opener in Dunedin. So that would be a nice little, um, you know, coincidence, a nice little um, highlight for that opener to have George Springer make his debut there. I think it's possible. Like Ross Atkins spoke to us a few days ago at this point and um, said there was a quote unquote real chance um, for him to be in the lineup on that day as long as there's no setbacks. And as long as he gets back up to like that hundred percent strength, mm-hmm. um, certainly it's not a hundred percent guaranteed that he will be because anything can happen and there's no real rush. Um, there's still a lot of games ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if he makes it back on Thursday or if it's not Thursday shortly thereafter. So exciting. It's an exciting time. Uh, again, looking forward to the series. You don't want to look past the series with, with Texas, given that they are uh, a bit of a rebuilding club with, a, with some young players around the diamond. Um, it'll be interesting, of course, if, you, if the Blue Jays are able to get George Springer back in time for the home opener, give the fans that would be there in, uh, in Dunedin something to cheer for, which isn't the opposing team as the, 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 the podcast favorite Los Angeles Angels are coming to town. Mike Trout. Shohei Otani. As we record this, very much against my will, Shohei Otani is pitching and hitting second for the Los Angeles Angels at this time of recording. He has struck a 450-foot home run that left his bat at 115 miles an hour, followed, which he followed, he did in the bottom of the first inning and in the top of the first inning, he threw a pitch 100.6 miles an hour. The hardest pitch thrown by a starting pitcher and the hardest home run hit so far this year. The same guy. He's a freak. This is like once-in-a-lifetime stuff. So the Blue Jays are going to play a four-game series with the Angels. Looks like if you are interested to see Shohei Otani and you are a Blue Jays fan and not someone who partakes in the Angels' delightful brand of agonizing baseball, Otani could potentially start Sunday in Dunedin a week from now because that seems like that they're going to go with a bit of maybe a six-man rotation, maybe trying to line up Otani to start on Sundays. But um so that's something to look forward to a lot. Another thing to look forward to will be this week's episode of, of uh, Spin Rate. So we're talking to, talking to you now, talk to you again then, and then hopefully we'll talk to you uh, after Otani pitches against the Blue Jays because that would be, wow, it's just like a right in the, 
right in my wheelhouse as best I can, as best I can hope. Uh, Caitlin, what else do you have coming up this week that folks might be look interested to read in the early going? Are you writing well, every day on every game? Um, I, unless something exciting happens in every single game, I probably won't write every single day off every single game. Um, okay. but I have, like I mentioned, uh, something will go up, um, on Monday morning, same t- around the same time as you'll be searching for this podcast, um, about sort of the takeaways from the, the weekend. And then I'm working on another piece that should come out later in the week. That's a secret. I can't reveal it yet. Um, Ooh. it'll come out. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> um, and yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. One thing I was thinking about today, let me just air my thoughts here. Is just like, it's so nice to know there's like, six months ahead to watch how this season unfolds. And Mm -hmm. um, so many different players are going to warrant stories and so many series and games are going to be worth talking about. And some are not going to be worth talking about. Some are going to be forgettable. And, but you know, last year was such a weird, strange season. And for a lot of different reasons, it was hard to cover. And you guys have heard me talk about the challenges of covering from home. And uh, so I won't get into that, but just like, just not having enough time to like flesh out stories or things, you know, full out narratives didn't have time to develop because a guy would be good for a week, but then like, we got to talk about playoffs now because this is, you know, playoffs (laughs) are two weeks away. So Mm -hmm. there just like, wasn't a lot of time to, really dive into different stories. So I am just really looking forward to having all this opportunity this year, kind of getting back to how I did things in 2019. Obviously it's not going to be completely the same because the Blue Jays still aren't going to be here and I'm still not going to be in a ballpark until who knows when, but just, yeah, just knowing that what happened this weekend is important right now, but there's going to be so many more important things and so many other players that are going to, um, stand out this year and some players are probably going to disappoint this year and there's just going to be so much to write about. That's what I'm looking forward to. I am just so happy that there's a lot of games left because that is what I love about covering baseball. For it's, sure. It's, it's having so much time, mm-hmm. having so many games and having so many opportunity to write stories that you want. So that's my promise to the subscribers <laughs> and to their listeners I will do right by you this year, and I will tell as many stories as I can. I'm already excited for the fact that the Blue Jays are good or good adjacent. And the things that we could talk about are the things that are relevant and germane to like the actual you know, gameplay conversations. We're not talking about service time. We're not talking about... But projection, we're not talking about what this guy could be and, and what this is going to be and what are they going to do. It's, you know, the, the Blue Jays are close enough to contention and they looked apart the against the, one of the best teams in the American League that we can talk about the games and we can talk about the, the X's and O's and we can talk about the best way to build a team to win ball games. And that's so much fun because, you know, it's so easy to forget. You know, some of us have been at this for a long time, and a lot of the times the Blue Jays were dog shit. Uh, and it's, so it's a really fun to talk about a team that's good. It's really fun to talk about what the Blue Jays can do to make themselves better, what they can do, you know, what, what players are doing to put the Blue Jays into these positions. So talking about the fact that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. looked like Miguel Cabrera with that home, with that opposite field home run that he hit, um, against, uh, against good Domingo Herman is fun. 
right? It's fun, it's fun to not to watch it happen and not imagine what it, that it might happen. It's fun to to see you know these this assembly line of big monster relievers that throw 100 miles an hour. They play with the Blue Jays now. Like that's that's fun. So I'm excited to talk about the games, and I think that's something that you're going to really come to expect on this. Sunday version will probably be a little bit more like this. We're going to get maybe a little bit more into the nitty gritty and then come the other episode that you'll hear usually, I guess, Fridays. Maybe we'll try to keep it a little bit zoomed out a little bit, not so much the X and Y and pouring over the box score. But uh, you let us know. You let us know what you like. Uh, you know, if you want to comment on one of Caitlin's stories or if, if, the, if this goes into a post or follow us on Twitter and, uh, and let us know what you think of the shows and what you want to hear. We're really excited and thankful for everybody who's listened so far, and, and hopefully you're enjoying uh, a hot start to the Toronto Blue Jays season. So, so that's it. So for Caitlin McGrath, my name is Drew Fairser. We'll talk to you later this week on Spin Rate. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.